Bonjour and welcome to the Good Life France podcast. I'm your host, Janine Marsh. I was born in the UK, but I'm French at heart. I live in the far north of France in the lovely, unspoiled, but not very well-known department of Pas de Calais. It's a very fertile area of France, very rural, and it's a bit like the potager, the, the vegetable garden of the hexagon, as French people call France, because the country is a bit hexagon-shaped. I live in a tiny village of 150 people and a thousand cows, and I have dozens of animals, dogs, cats, chickens, geese, ducks. I'm a writer of books about France, and I'm also the editor of the Good Life France magazine, the world's number one magazine for English readers, which is free, by the way. And when I'm not writing, I love to share and create this podcast with you with my podcast partner, Olivier Geoffrey. Bonjour, hello, bienvenue. Yes, I am Olivier, Oli. And you may tell from my accent, I'm indeed French. I've lived in the UK for a long time, but I'm moving back to France, to sunny Lyon very soon. It's an area that's famous for its gastronomy, and I'm looking forward to getting stuck into some great French food. But now, Janine, what is our topic for the podcast today? Well, as I said, my area is like the vegetable garden of France, but also it's where a lot of cereal was grown, including really, really good quality wheat for bread flour. And we do love our bread here in the north, but it's not just the north, it's the whole of France. French people go gaga for bread. So today we're going to be talking about bread, French bread, from baguettes to bread legends and a few tasty bread phrases commonly used in France. Oh, I love French bread. It never tasted the same anywhere else in the world, never as good as it does in France. I have to say, there is something about a French baguette, you know. So let's get stuck into today's Crusty Chronicles and find out about the rich history and culture of bread in France. I love that topic. <laughs> <laughs> the Good Life France podcast. Everything you want to know about France and more with Janine Marsh and Olivier Geoffrey. So, bread in France is more than just food. It's a cultural cornerstone of France. It's about community and tradition, and it's very much about the French way of life. So we're going to discuss the role of bread in daily French life and also how it reflects the values and rhythms of French society. There is actually a saying in France, un jour sans pain, c'est un jour sans soleil. Do you like my French accent there? I thought I was correct I myself. I love it. <laughs> that means a day without bread is a day without sun. But let's start with the origins of bread in general first. So according to some historians, it was being made by the time of the Stone Age, 14,000 years ago. There's evidence that our ancient ancestors used grains from wild wheat and barley, mixed it with plant roots and water, and then baked it. Doesn't sound very nice, but apparently that was the forerunner of bread. And then around 8,000 BC in Egypt, bread started to become a bit more like we know it now. So grain was crushed and the Egyptian bakers produced something similar to Indian chapatis or Mexican tortillas, not quite like the bread we know and love. But this caught on around the world. And by the time of the Romans, the rich people enjoyed a fairly refined sort of bread. And then by the Middle Ages, it was a staple of daily diet in Europe. And in the days of the knights of old, they would cut a thick slice of bread instead of using a plate. So it was a complete bonus, no washing up, and you just eat your plate afterwards. But what about French bread? Did you know the girls, France's Celtic ancestors, baked bread using a variety of cereals? 
Few crowds are as well known as Marie Antoinette let them eat cake when she was told that the peasant had no bread. Actually, she probably didn't say it, but as none of us were there, we can't say for sure. Up until about 1800, French peasants ate bread made from wheat, rye or buckwheat. Bakers often added all sorts of materials as fillers to make the flour go further. Sawdust, hay, dirt, and even dung were all used. The vast majority of a peasant's diet came from bread, and an adult male could eat as much as two or three pounds of it per day. And in the old days, communal ovens were set up in almost all French villages and towns to bake the town's bread. They were the center of community life. I live in an old farmhouse and there's actually a a sort of a little shed in the front. It looks over the front garden onto the road and it's got an ancient bread oven in it. So basically it's just an open stone box with a chimney and all the villagers would have bought their dough there to be baked. It's actually quite a sustainable way of cooking because they didn't have to use precious firewood just to bake their daily loaf. I have to say, I wouldn't bake bread in it. It's uh, it's more like a spider hotel now. Yeah, no, don't. (laughs) (laughs) It's fair to say that French people love bread, and I'm definitely one of them. We have <laughs> dozens of different loaves of bread. So, du pain rond, a round loaf of French bread. Du pain complet, all meat French bread. Du pain de seigle, rye bread, typically served with oysters, if you like them. Du pain aux graines, French bread loaf with whole pieces of seeds. Du pain aux lardons, aux olives, French bread loaf with bacon and olives. An epi French loaf of bread you can tear into pieces, really good as well. And that's just a few. There are loads more French breads named according to the shape, ingredients, the type of flour used, the way it was prepared, etc. We even have bread called une biscotte, which sounds like biscuit. It's a dry sort of bread, which almost every French home keeps in the cupboard. In case you run out of fresh French bread... Not easy to say. Thank you for that uh, text, uh, Janine. <laughs> Les biscottes are also a common French breakfast food. So I remember the first time I came to France and I was 14 years old and I stayed with this lovely French family in Antony in the suburbs of Paris. And every morning we had les biscottes and jam with a bowl of hot chocolate. And I, I, even to this day, and it was quite a long time ago, I'm not going to tell you how long, but it was a long time ago. I still remember how wonderful that tasted. I was used to Weetabix at home. So Ouch. to me, it was yes, quite different. <laughs> I have to say, I, I fell in love with France there and then. I think it was that first breakfast, that first biscotte and jam and, and hot chocolate. And over the years, I've learned that bread really is a way of life in France. Yeah, actually, in France, bread is an art and the bakers are the artists. We adore uh, boulangeries, French bakeries, where each loaf is uh, a masterpiece, really. All of the different breads tell a story of regional diversity and traditional methods. And we have sweet breads, too. Of course you do. <laughs> and we call them uh, les viennoiseries, like, you know, a pain au raisin, run pastry with cream and raisin, or a pain au chocolat, chocolate croissant. You better not call it that when you move to Lyon, Ollie. In the South, they call them a chocolatine. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I'm not part of this uh, naming <laughs> war at all. You know, wild people from the North uh, and the South 
are uh, arguing about that. I'm eating all of the pain au chocolat and the chocolatine I can find. Voilà, that's my plan. And, <laughs> and of course, there's also une brioche, fluffy sweet bread, and many more, un palmier, un beignet, un sacristain, and local uh, specialties as well. But you left out one bread that is really important, the baguette. Yes, it was a test, Janine. And uh, yes, the baguette is the king of the bread in France. Obviously, it is so important, so special, so unique that it was given UNESCO Intangible Cultural Heritage status last year. And it absolutely deserves that award. I mean, UNESCO, who are quite stuffy, really, sometimes, they actually say on their website, and I quote, crispy crust and chewy texture result in a specific sensory experience, mm. unquote. Mm -mm. Somebody at UNESCO really likes baguettes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But they are right. There, there isn't much that beats a fresh cooked baguette straight out of the oven. I like it best from a wood oven. And it's all crispy on the outside, what the French called la croûte, and soft on the inside, the white part, which is called la mie. And the end of the baguette is called le crouton, or uh, le quignon. I love those names, Crouton, Quignon, the favorite baguette part for French people, the very end with all the crust. When you go to buy your baguette from a boulangerie and you walk down the street with it under your arm or in a special long baguette bag, you know, you have to eat the end of the baguette. It's almost the low. I used to do it all the time when I was a kid. It's so good. You'll be doing it again when you come to Lyon and live. Yes. I do it all the time. I, I mean, it's irresistible, the end of the French bread. You just have to do it. I actually even have a special long wooden box made for keeping baguettes in at home that they never last that long. And talking of long loaves, did you know that the Italians actually hold the record for the longest baguette ever baked? In 2019, bakers in Como baked a baguette that was 435 feet and one inch long. That's 135.62 meters. Wow. I I, yeah, I know. I just, how did they bake it? That's what I want to know. <laughs> long wide loaves have actually been around since the time of Louis XIV in the 1600s, and long thin ones seem to have been around starting about the mid 18th century. But where did the long, skinny loaf of bread come from? Well, the truth is, no one knows. No one is completely sure. The word baguette means wand, baton, or stick, and it refers to the shape of the bread. But the term only became attached to the thin sticks of bread we know today in the early 20th century. But the baguette's history may go back further. For whatever reason, the first wand-shaped breads were everywhere by the mid-1800s in Paris. But these weren't the French loaves that we see today, no. Not at all. They were baguettes on steroids. Many foreign visitors marveled at the extraordinary length of the Parisian bread they saw. Loaves of bread six feet long that looked like crowbars, someone wrote in 1862. They described loaves of bread six feet, two meters long, being delivered by women carrying them stacked horizontally, like firewood, in a frame on their backs. It was common to see housemaids on the streets at six o'clock in the morning carrying the long loaves home for their employer's breakfast. And in the afternoons, young boys could be seen using the long loaves as pretend swords and engaging in mock battles before the bread made its way to the family table. I actually once saw someone use a baguette like a, a selfie stick, so they stuck their phone on the end of the baguette to take a photograph. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> and one visitor to France said that he sat in a restaurant and watched the baker come in and stack loaves six to eight feet, 2.5 meters up to 2.5 meters long in the corner like a bundle of sticks. Another described the bread having to be laid on the dining table lengthwise because it was longer than the table was wide. 
And these long breads made such an impression on 19th century tourists, and they were the forerunner of today's more manageably sized baguette. In the late 1800s, wheat got cheaper. So by the end of the 19th century, white bread was no longer just for the rich. The development of steam ovens meant it was possible to bake loaves with a crispy crust and a white airy centre, just like today's baguettes. Good news. In yes. 1920, a law was passed preventing bakers from working between the hours of 10 o'clock at night and 4 o'clock in the morning. Not really practical. This made it impossible to get the bread cooked in time for breakfast. The problem was solved by focusing on loaves of bread that were longer and thinner because they cooked faster. Though there had been long, thin breads in France for around a century before this, they hadn't been called baguettes. That also happened in 1920 when they made that law. But nobody knows who came up with the name. It comes from the Latin for baculum, which became bacchetto in Italian, meaning a staff or a stick. And then that developed into baguette. And although no one knows exactly when or why this French loaf took on its current shape, there are loads of stories and even some strange laws that give us clues to the baguette's heritage. And I have one story. One uh, patriotic tale explains the possible origin of the baguette, but not its shape, by linking it to the French Revolution again. Lack of bread was the principal complaint from the people of Paris, and this played a large part in the overthrow of the monarchy. Bread was uh, the main sign of the French diet, and the poor people were tired of watching the nobility eat fine white loaves, while they faced uh, shortages and had to make do with bread that was uh, barely edible. After the revolution, making sure everyone had quality daily bread was high on the priority list. In 1793, the convention, the post-revolution government, made a law stating exactly richness and poverty must both disappear from the government of equality. It will no longer make a bread of wheat for the rich and a bread of bran for the poor. All bakers will be held under the penalty of imprisonment to make only one type of bread, ta -ta -ta, the bread of equality. <laughs> bravo, bravo. <laughs> Thank you. Another story claims that Napoleon passed a decree that bread for his soldiers should be made in long slender loaves of exact measurements to fit into special pockets of their trousers when they're wearing their uniforms so that they could carry it with them when they marched. And since those measurements were close to the size of a modern baguette, some people think this might be when the bread first took on its current form. I don't think so, but I like the story. Yet another anecdote says that when the metro system was being built in Paris in the early 1900s, workmen from different regions couldn't get along very well together. So the manager of the project was concerned about them all having a bit of a ruck in the dark in the underground tunnels. And at that time, everyone used to carry a knife to cut their bread. So the manager, the supervisor, went to the local bakery and asked them to make loaves that didn't need to be cut, hence a baguette, apparently. So a loaf of bread was regulated by weight, and in order to make it thin enough to be easily torn, it ended up being long and slender. Yeah, we will most likely never know the real reason, though I like the Napoleon story as well. Uh, today's baguettes are typically about 50 to 60 centimeter long, even up to a meter. Sometimes they are shorter, sometimes baguettes are thin, sometimes they are not, because this is France and we have lots of different types of baguettes. Of course you do. <laughs> Whatever size it is, though, a traditional baguette must have only four ingredients, flour, water, salt and yeast. And that is the law. It's traditional to buy a baguette fresh and daily. 
Apparently, according to an unimpeachable source, the internet, French people eat 30 million baguettes a day. That's more than 10 billion baguettes being produced every year in France, a staggering 320 baguettes per second. The French are besotted with baguettes. Yeah, that's true. We are besotted with baguettes and with bread. We pretty much have it uh, with every meal, each course, including cheese, obviously, but except dessert when bread is put away. And for breakfast, we like to dip it in our uh, coffee or hot chocolate. And we have bread etiquette too. We call it baguette etiquette. Help yourself, then put the bread directly on the tablecloth, close to your plate, not on your plate. Only at formal dinners, bread plates might be used. You tear your bread into a small bite-sized piece before eating it. If you are eating cheese or pâté, cut a piece with your knife, then pull it on the bite size of bread you have torn, and then put the bread in your mouth. We don't spread the cheese or pâté on a big piece of bread. And be careful, never, I mean never, place the bread face down on the table. It's an old superstition. In the Middle Ages, it indicated death because the baker kept the one loaf of bread for the village executioner face down. And finally, my mum says you are not supposed to finish up the sauce with your bread. Although I don't care at all. I do it all the time. Sauce on bread is so good. Why should it be impolite? I don't understand. <laughs> Me neither. I always use the bread to mop up the sauce. I think it's impolite to leave the sauce, actually. Yeah. Did you know that there's even a best baguette contest every year in Paris? All the bakers taking part submit two baguettes. They must be between 55 and 70 centimetres long, weigh between 250 and 300 grams and contain 18 grams of salt per kilo of flour. The loaves are judged by other bakers, journalists, previous winners of the competition and a few lucky members of the public. I want that job. I'm going to apply for it next year because it's held every May. The winner gets a great reputation, of course. Everyone wants to go to their boulangerie. But they also get to supply baguettes to the Elysee Palace, the home of the French president, for a whole year. Yeah, indeed. Now, we French also debate, of course we do, about whether a baguette should be bien cuite, well cooked, or blanche, not so well cooked. Earlier this year, a French journalist posted a simple photo of two baguettes on his Twitter account. One of the baguettes was much more cooked than the other, and he wrote, the baguette on the left, the well cooked one, is obviously much better than the baguette on the right, and I challenge anyone to a duel who would dare to claim otherwise. Well, that set everyone off. Hundreds of people wrote comments. 5.3 million people viewed the photo. Yes, 5.3 million. The majority, like the journalist, preferred the bien cuit baguette. It was a, a very, very French debate online with uh, people claiming that cooking the baguette longer brings out the special uh, aromas only in France. What do you think, Janine? Bien cuit or blanche? Uh, somewhere in the middle for me. I'm still a bit British. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> but whatever you do, when you go to buy your baguette or your French bread, you must go to a proper boulangerie. It's a little bit more expensive than a supermarket. So in a boulangerie, you'll pay around one euro to one euro 30 centimes. And in a supermarket, about half that, maybe even less. But real baguettes from a boulangerie have a whole different taste and they are so worth the extra centimes. And it's also a cultural experience to go to a boulangerie, queue up with the locals, listen to them chatting, exchanging kisses, choosing a cake. Sometimes someone might ask for a demi-baguette, a half a baguette, because you can do that if you don't want a whole one. And often they will ask for a bien cuit. 
Whatever its origins, the baguette has become a symbol of French culinary prowess. More than 400 years of practice, a revolution and much more have gone into making the baguette the bread we all know and love today. The baguette is an edible icon of France. It is as French as the Eiffel Tower. Oh yes, we French love our bread so much, it's even reflected in common sayings such as C'est du pain béni, it is a godsend. C'est triste comme un jour sans pain, it's as sad as a day without bread. Or as well, bon comme le bon pain, as good as good bread. But now, it's time for our listener's question. Got a question about France? Well, ask the experts. We reply to you in each episode. And we do it for free. So Janine, what is today's question? Well, before I get to that, I just wanted to read a lovely message I had from a lady called Kimberly Sanderson of Oregon, Pacific Northwest, USA. She sent me the message on Instagram and she said, I just started listening to your podcast and fell in love with your direct down-to-earth style. You and Ollie are just a delight. Oh, I, thank you. I know. I just returned from a trip to France and Italy with my husband. And after listening to your podcast, I'm coming straight back to France on 12th <laughs> of December for a 10-day solo trip. I can't wait to experience the Christmas markets in France. I thought it's so nice. Kimberly, we are delighted to have inspired you. That's what we're here for. And I hope that everyone listening is now dreaming of biting into a crispy baguette. I know I am. It's amazing how a simple loaf of bread can leave such a lasting impression. It is. Right. Back to the question from the listener. So today's question is from Tanya Ashbourne of Tamworth, UK. It's <laughs> quite a good one, Ollie. She wants to know, is it true that there is a town in France that has made it illegal to be rude? She says, I went on holiday to Picardy, which is a lovely place, and a lady in a boulangerie told me that it is the law in a local town there. Well, there's another reason to go to a boulangerie because you find out all sorts of fun things. Ollie, true or false, is there a law in a town in Picardy against people being rude? Well, it's actually sort of true. Yes, <laughs> In the little town of Lérole in the Oise department in Picardy, north of France, if you visit the town hall, there is a legal decree that you must be polite or you will be told to leave, which is fair enough. So rules include that you must say bonjour when you arrive and merci when someone helps you. Though the rules don't apply on uh, election days. I wonder why. <laughs> I like that rule. But it is actually kind of an unspoken law pretty much everywhere in France to say bonjour when you arrive somewhere. Because for the French, that's not just about saying hello. It's a sign of respect. It's a sign of acknowledgement of another person. And if you visit, say, the boulangerie and you don't say bonjour when you enter, then people would think you are exceptionally rude. It's true. You can never say bonjour too much. It's the most important word in the French language. Thanks so much for that question, Tanya. It's a good one again. If uh, anyone has a question for us, feel free to send it to Janine at thegoodlifefrance.com, as usual, Janine at thegoodlifefrance.com, or via our podcast newsletter, we'll do our best to help. This is The Good Life France podcast. Oh la la! Le podcast The Good Life France. Thank you so much. A very big merci beaucoup to everyone for listening to our podcast all around the world. It's quite amazing to know that we have listeners in dozens of countries. And we want to offer an enormous thank you for sharing the podcast with your friends and family as well. We're truly uh, grateful when you do that. That makes such a big difference. Merci, oh, merci. It merci. really, really does. Thank you so much. 
You've been listening to Jan in March and uh, me, Olivier Geoffrey. You can find me every day and night at parischanson.fr playing fantastic French music of the 40s, 50s and 60s. And you can find me and heaps of information about France, where to visit, culture, history, recipes, including how to make a perfect baguette with recipes from top French bakers at thegoodlifefrance.com. And you can also subscribe to the podcast, my weekly newsletter about France and our totally brilliant, totally free magazine. And also at magazine.thegoodlifefrance.com. But for now, it's au revoir from me. And goodbye from me. Speak to you soon. So where is that baguette? <laughs> I know I'm going to go and buy one this afternoon. Oh, uh, yeah, you're lucky. I really am. I'm going to send you a photo. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> The Good Life France podcast. Available on all podcast platforms. On thegoodlifefrance.com and on parischanson.fr. The most beautiful French songs of the 40s, 50s and 60s. Only on Paris Chanson. Available on your mobile, smart TV, computer and smart speaker 24-7. Visit parischanson.fr to find out more. That's P-A-R-I-S-C-H-A-N-S-O-N.fr. Ah!